This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the Mark Weber. Dub them easy. And this is now back to two weeks in a row I can say that, because I want to say what? It was the week before that or two? You know what? This is three. It was the week before, two weeks before you were off it's been a while. the draft. But I have you back, and we're kind of doing fantasy football rankings. If you guys didn't watch last week, we're continuing through our fantasy football rankings that'll take us into our team previews for all the divisions. Then we'll have our playoff predictions, and then the season will be here before we know it, Mark. We got a jam-packed running back kind of podcast for you. I was going to say topic, but really it's a podcast here, all three topics. A little housekeeping here before we start. Number one, if you like what you're what we're doing, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash Podcast. You want to be like our great patrons like Jake, Christian, Matt, Patrick, just to name a few who have come on segments in the past. You can go ahead and get on our $10 tier. That'll get you on a podcast each and every month. Number two, make sure to check out the MVP store in the description so you can get yourself. Neither one of us are wearing it, but we have the MVP t-shirt that you can buy from the store. Mostvalopodcast.com. That also has the store as well, as well as everything that we have for MVP. And last but not least, if you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, go ahead and give the Onside Kick a five-star rating. But like Marcus said, and I'm adding it to it, don't just give us the five-star rating. Type in a little something. Tell people what you like, why they should listen. We'd really appreciate it. Do it also for everyone here at MVP. But, Mark, we're doing running backs. And before we start the discussion, let's go through our, first off, honorable mention. So yeah. before we get through how we do this is we start from 30, go all the way to the top. So before we get to what this would be 21 through 30, we have a few honorable mentions, and those are going to be Ronald Jones the second, C.J. Anderson, and Royce Freeman. Got votes from both of us, but did not make it into the rankings. But without further ado, here is 21 through 30. At number 30, we've got Tennessee Titan Dion Lewis. Then at number 29, Tariq Cohen of the Chicago Bears. Then at number 28, Jamal Williams. Right above him, 27, Alex Collins of the Ravens. Then Lamar Miller at 26. Sony Michelle, the rookie, at 25. Marshawn Lynch at 24. Carlos Hyde at 23. Then we've got Derrick Henry at 22. And then Darius Geis, who we talked about two weeks ago. He is at number 21. And the guy I want to start with, and the reason why I want to start with him is I had him as high as 12 on my fantasy rankings. You did not have him anywhere in your top 30. Correct. What are your thoughts on Carlos Hyde coming into you this know, year? I actually like Carlos Hyde. My problem is this. Okay. I don't trust Cleveland. Okay. It is that simple to me. Mm-hmm. And remember, this is the thing that we need to put out there. The, these are not us saying who's the best running back in football. You know, we're not doing that right this now. This is basically who our combined. Who would we who draft? Who would we draft? Yeah. And for me, I have a very strict rule in fantasy football. I don't mm-hmm. have that many strict rules, but I have one. <laughs> it is you do not draft anybody from Cleveland. Okay. I do not touch Cleveland players because I do not trust them as an organization. I don't trust the coaching, especially not with the Wolverine, who mm-hmm. uh, Hugh Jackson out there. Uh, I just don't. I don't want anything to do with it. Now, especially with a 
I and I actually do like their wide receiving weapons they have. I think they but, have a pretty but with a rookie above quarterback average defense could have a rookie quarterback. Yeah, they might have this rookie quarterback, which I actually think would help. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, so far Tyrod Taylor is supposed to be the starter, and I like Tyrod Taylor, but. I'm not crazy about it. I don't mm-hmm. think other teams are really going to respect Tyrod Taylor that much to where Carlos Hyde will be able to do what he can do. I'm not saying that you should not draft Carlos Hyde. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I would not draft anybody from Cleveland. Here's the thing. To me, if there's anybody, like, obviously there's a few people from Cleveland where it's like, obviously their defense right now, while they're in this rebuild, I ain't drafted them because... They're going to be giving up some points while this defense grows. I'm probably not going to draft Baker Mayfield this year because you know what? I'll get my starter early. The on. Only exception, of course, is for all those everybody who's a in free dynasty. Agency pickup. Well, I was going to say everybody in dynasty okay. leagues. Then you can obviously keep them. stash yeah. a guy like that. But sure, I the way I think is we don't do a dynasty league, so I yeah. don't think dynasty wise. But I mean, this year could be interesting. Like, I mean, Josh Gordon, I think is like Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry. Are going to be obviously we're going to talk about maybe one or both of them next week yeah. because Jarvis Landry getting traded over. I don't think Jarvis Landry is a guy that ah he's on Cleveland don't now, draft or don't yeah, draft I him mean, at all. There will probably be exceptions to this rule mm-hmm. next week, um, but I think people are going to be mad at me for having them lower than they would expect. There are two things that I kind of think about with Carlos Hyde though, and right now I think Carlos Hyde is a guy I would draft because one. I think he's going to be the main bell cow in Cleveland because, you know, Isaiah Crowell, for years, I've been saying, get rid of the guy. He's not good for Cleveland. They finally listen to me. They bring in Carlos Hyde. The question, though, for Carlos Hyde, and this is my only little caveat with me is having it injury? him. injury? No. Because that's with, my question. With me having him at 12 is, what is Nick Chubb's role yeah. going to be on this team? Well, and how many carries and yards could he take away from That's Carlos? the thing that I can see, you know. Uh... Carlos Hyde, I, without a doubt, is default number one. Mm-hmm. But I think Nick Chubb will take more and more away. I really, really like Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why you know teams kind of didn't have him as running back number two or running back number three necessarily uh, in the draft. You know, I really like Nick Chubb. I think that he will probably start to take some of this away, especially if there's a potential injury for Carlos Hyde. Then, without a doubt, Nick Chubb's going to step up, and then I don't think. You know, he's not the guy who's going to let up. If he mm-hmm. starts to get the majority, he's going to make sure everybody well, knows he's the starter. And also the thing that this is kind of the flip side to me and kind of my rationale with it is Carlos Hyde had 940 yards in San Fran. Yes, it's going to be different in Cleveland where Isaiah Crowell had about 850, I believe. The thing that I think will help uh, Hyde in the fantasy department that didn't help Crowell is he had eight touchdowns compared to two for um, Isaiah Crowell. So, I mean, with him getting into the end zone a little bit, and if he can be a receiver out of the backfield, what, is he going to get in the end zone? Him. Because I'm not going to put Carlos I think he'll, Hyde I in think there. he'll get into the end zone if more I'm than two the, times. If I'm in the red zone, I'm not putting Carlos Hyde in there. I'm putting Nick Chubb in there. Oh, I'm not saying just red zone, but I'm saying I think that he'll get more than just two touchdowns the entire year. I wouldn't I guess don't know, he'll have more than four. I don't know if he'll have eight like he did last year, but I think he'll mm. have more than two. I think that... Here's the thing. Maybe like th- if you four, like one five? of these guys, I like Nick Chubb because mm-hmm. he's going to vulture those touchdowns. I mean, you could that could be a good. Don't, here's the question I ask you: mm-hmm. If you draft Carlos Hyde, do you have to handicap Nick Chubb to him? Is he a handicap pick? 
Kind of like back I think in it'd the be a day. good idea. Oh, back in the day, it was in Baltimore. It was Bernard Pierce was Ray Rice's vulture. Yeah, where he would always come in goal line situations, vulture. And back. there's nothing worse than you having, in this case, Carlos Hyde, and mm-hmm. then your opponent has Nick Chubb who gets mm-hmm. the touchdown. You know. Well, and that's why here I want to ask you about this guy because you had him a lot higher than I sure. did. I had him last at number thirty. Okay. You had him as high as number twenty. Sony Michelle, what do you think? Yeah. Of? Well, my thought is that Bill Belichick wouldn't have drafted a running back in, in the, the first, first round, round if he didn't wasn't intending to use him. Mm-hmm. And I totally get it. I 100% understand anyone's reservation for a Patriots running back because what does Bill Belichick do? He says, I've got four running backs. I'm using four running backs. Dude, they've got a ton. They've got Rex Burkhead. Mm-hmm. They've got James White still. They've got Mike Gillisey that they've used. They've got Brandon Bolden that they've used. And they added Jeremy Hill. Yeah, some of these guys, like there might be Patriot fans. Yeah. Sean might People be out gonna there. People are going to get cut, obviously. Well, and he's probably screaming, don't worry about Bolden. Maybe don't worry about Gillisley. But just Burkhead, White, Hill, where's where's Sony going to get touches? And that's the thing with mm-hmm. me where it the reason why I'm almost on the side of I will not worry about a Patriot running back is week one. Listening to the Dan Patrick show and Ross Tucker, I usually love the guy, love when he's filling in for Dan, but he said that day, you know what, in, like, he's like, I don't have any inside information, but I feel like Rex Burkhead, like, that's the way they're going. And I went shifty move, picked up Rex Burkhead, started him, completely lost week one yeah. because of that move. So after that day, I said, screw it. I'm never going to never gonna pick up a Patriot running back because you never know who's going to get the touches. Which is completely fair. But the only exception in, in my eyes is the fact that you invested a first-round pick into this guy. You better use him. But will it be this year or next year where that pays off? I have to think that with an old quarterback, and mm-hmm. you've got to be in, in a win-now mode, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you just lost in the Super Bowl. That stinks. Well, I'm not saying win-now for the Patriots. I'm just saying... For fantasy, like, is he going to be behind these guys? And then next year's the no, year. No, I don't he... think so. You, I, I don't think that they would have invested that in him. Like I said, they are a win now team. They want to win mm-hmm. now, so they're going to use a first round pick on a guy who plays now. Because out of the touches, when you look at it, Deion Lewis had 180. He's no longer there. He's mm-hmm. in Tennessee. Mike Gillisley is now the guy who comes in with the most touches. He had 104. Burkhead only had 64. And then James White had 43. However, out of the backfield, James White was the guy getting most of the targets. He had 72 targets out of the backfield compared to 36 for Burkhead, 36 for Lewis. Gillisley only had one target out of the backfield all year. So to me, yeah, they lose Deion Lewis. So, okay, put in either Jeremy Hill or Sony Michelle. I think it's too crowded. And that's why I put him at 30 because... He's got the play potential to be a top 30 running back. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if there'll be enough. It's kind of like when you've got too many mouths to feed. Sure. That's exactly what this I'm is. I'm just trusting the fact that you don't invest that if you don't plan on using it. All right. All right. Who's one that you want to touch on that I'll, I'll let you pick yep. one? Uh, well, someone I want to put out there is Dion Lewis. Right. Uh, I left him out. I did not have any any intention of, of putting him mm-hmm. in my top 30 purely for injury. Okay. Um, and also, like I know he, you know, he was nothing at the beginning of the season last year. Started getting more and more touches. I think he had like fifty some touches mm-hmm. uh, by the end or something like that. You know, nothing crazy, nothing substantial. Uh, 
And the thing for, for Deion Lewis to me is Derrick Henry's already there. So he's competing that way. Mm-hmm. And the Tennessee Titans are a team that are going to run. But my question is just, is Deion Lewis going to be healthy enough to where you want to you wanna draft him? See, I think so. And, I mean, this is, this is something that more NFL teams are going towards is we don't have an NFL where it's like, well, you're our running back. Go ahead and do it. Like, not mm-hmm. many teams have that. Like, maybe the Rams or something I think about. But, like, when you think about some of the better teams— the Saints, who were in the playoffs, two-headed monster. Yeah. The Vikings, two-headed monster last year. Like, that's the way—even look at your Bears, two-headed monster with mm-hmm. Howard and Tariq Cohen. So that's kind of where the league is going. Hell, look at a team like New England that we just mentioned, where they have a four-headed yeah. monster, sometimes even three-headed monster. I The question that I think, though, is—and of course this is if he stays healthy— Derrick Henry, to me, doesn't scream like 744 yards last year, five touchdowns out of the backfield. He only had 17 targets out of the backfield, so he's not a big receiving option. My whole big thing is, yeah, Derrick Henry might right now be number one on that depth chart, but what is it that maybe midseason, maybe week three, they flip and Deion Lewis takes those carries away from It's honestly something I kind of wonder about myself is – which one of these guys truly will be running back one? Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be, honestly, a pure kind of split? Because um, you know, we've got these guys, two of them, and they're in the same range, 21 yeah. and 30. And I'm assuming that Derrick Henry is going to be your number one, mm-hmm. but things can change, obviously. Uh, I think they will. I think Deion Lewis is going to take that starting job healthy, from him. We'll see what well, happens. Yeah, that's the big thing. That's a big question. Another person I want to put uh, mention, because mm-hmm. you mentioned him, is Tariq Cohen. Okay. And I'm gonna. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. I'm drinking out of a Chicago Bears little tumbler over da, here. Bears. Uh, but with that being said, I need to put a little bit of a warning. I feel like Tariq Cohen is gonna be a guy who has sky high expectations, and I honestly think that we're probably a little low on mm-hmm. Tariq Cohen. Me especially. I had him higher than you. You did. I just had the reservation that I don't. I want to believe that Matt Nagy is gonna do amazing things mm-hmm. with him. Uh, and he shows explosion, uh, great explosion. He mm-hmm. shows great potential. But I'm just a little bit scared that there's bust potential and people Let, could draft him you know too what? high. I'm glad you brought this up because when our whole rankings played into it, I'm going to spoil something right here, but mm-hmm. I don't think this is a big spoiler because I don't expect anyone to think that Jordan Howard was in the top 10. But Jordan Howard will be in our next segment that we do with our rankings 11 through 20. I honestly had him in this part. I had him at 21, Mm -hmm. Tariq Cohen at 27. And what I think for the Bears is we already had a little, I'll say, scare this offseason, Bears fans, where, oh, my God, Jordan Howard deleted everything off Instagram. Is he going to get traded? Ooh, are the Bears going to think about moving him? Does he doesn't fit? And they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. But I'm not saying they do that. Yeah. What I'm saying is by the end of the year, by the end of the regular season, mm-hmm. what will be established is that Jordan Howard will have an okay year. He'll be right around a top 20, if not a top 20 fantasy option. But I think the perspective will have flipped to where with Nagy in Chicago, people will look at Cohen and be like, he is he's the back of the future for the Chicago Bears. He's the one that fits Nagy's system better because mm-hmm. the way I'm looking at it if Nagy wants to do similar things that he did with Kareem Hunt last year, 
Tariq Cohen's your guy. Tariq Jordan Cohen Howard is, is not, not a Jordan. Uh, is not a Kareem Hunt. Oh, I'm just saying with the receiving out of the backfield, yeah. using him as a double threat. I think that he's more of a Randall Cobb than a Kareem Hunt. I'm not saying he's going to be top ten fantasy mm. option. I'm just saying that I think he's going to be able to do more of what Matt Nagy yeah. wants compared to Jordan Howard. No, I I think that any any coach worth their while is going to mold the system around what they've mm-hmm. got. Um, that's why I still think Jordan Howard will do a great job. But I just think that Tariq Cohen, for me, I just think that the cost is going to be too high because mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, Matthew Barry, you know, choose your uh, your favorite They're ranker. All high on Tariq. They're Cohen. going to love Tariq Cohen, and I'm going to like him as a Bears fan. But I think that people are going to mm-hmm. be super high on Tariq Cohen, and I think that it's going to be driving his price up very high uh, come draft day. For, for all of you in at home, um, and well, then that's going to be a here, little too high for you. Here's the thing I'll ask you, because Jordan Howard only had 32 res, uh, targets out of the backfield compared yeah. to Tariq Cohen, 71. And I'm not trying to say that Jordan Howard's going to get more targets out of the backfield. My true question is, and this plays into fantasy because it's all touches, yeah. Jordan Howard with John Fox had 276. Tariq Cohen had 87. If you were to guess mm-hmm. what the touches are like with Matt Nagy, how would you split them up between Howard and Cohen? I think. Or what do you think it'll be at the end of the year? I think that honestly, it's got to be for these two like a sixty forty split. Okay. Between them, and I mean, obviously, there's going to be other mm-hmm. third, you know, running backs and stuff I'm in the conversation. Actually, pull out my calculator to see what um, the math is on that. But I would call it like a 60-40 split. But the problem with that is going to be, too, I mean, obviously, if we're talking PPR league, draft Cohen really, really high because he's going to be, you know, he's going to be getting a lot of passes. It was about a 69-31 split last year. Okay. If we go by the numbers. So so not terribly far off to where I'm going. Uh, only about a 10-point difference there. A few more carries for Tariq Cohen. And that's the thing why... Mm-hmm. I feel like with Matt Nagy, first off, he, like Kareem Hunt, is obviously a better back yeah. than Tariq Cohen. But I think the speed that Cohen has is going to fit what Nagy wants and to do. And you're more. also going to get some of those arguable, like, extended handoff, mm-hmm. like, you know, lateral passes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Tariq Cohen will also probably be used in the run pass option a little bit more mm-hmm. than Jordan Howard will. Um, so it's going to be interesting. My only fear, of course, with Tariq is just that people are going to go too high, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing is, you know, I with Darius Geis, I like Darius Geis a lot. I think he's going to be the main guy My potential, the, Yeah, my thought is just, is it going, like, when's he going to get there? Is there going to be potential it's going to take him a while to where, yes, he's going to be amazing in the middle of the season and on, I am on but the, will he get there at the beginning? I am on the bandwagon that he wins the job in the offseason. I sure hope I, so. I, I like think him. he's going to win the job in the offseason. Also, for Redskin fans out there, I get it. I made a mistake in the last side. The last time we talked about guys, keep getting comments. Oh, we didn't trade up for yeah. him. We traded down. Made a mistake there. I said you traded up when you traded down and still got guys. But I'm on, and the reason why I had him at 18 was I am on the belief that he's going to win the job this offseason. Because, I mean, yeah, Washington has running backs, but. I don't think they have any running back that it's kind of like a lesser, like I'm still going to say this, a lesser version of Leonard Fournette to where it's not like he's instantly coming in. I am the starter. People are going to see what he can do and be like, holy crap, we got a little Leonard Fournette here. I just wonder if they're going to 
take a very pure committee approach. Mm-hmm. You know, that's they my fear. Could. It's not necessarily that he's going to be third running back mm-hmm. on the depth chart. It's just to me an, uh, a fear of are they going to say nope, everybody gets you know thirty mm-hmm. percent. You know, and they they keep it even if it's like Christian McCaffrey last year. I know we're going to get to him later, but Mm -hmm. he's an example of that. High expectations out of a rookie coming out had to split with Jonathan Stewart, and it kind of hurt his fantasy numbers, even though he had a pretty good year. Here's the last person I want to mention for this, and that is Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch with the Raiders. Yeah. Does John, the same question we asked kind of for Derek Carr, is John Gruden coming in and his offensive scheme changed? Marshawn Lynch and change his fantasy outlook. Well, if anything, I mean, here's the thing with, with when it comes to John Gruden. John Gruden being known for like a quarterback guy, he's never really had like the best quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if having Derek Carr, a guy who's got a lot of skill, a lot of talent, mm-hmm. is going to make him really focus on we're going to pass all day. I mean, they went out and added Martavius Bryant and Jordy Nelson to kind of help that pass yeah, attack. I think he's going to get excited, especially mm-hmm. being known for being this quarterback guy. I think he's going to want to utilize those weapons that he's got. Mm-hmm. So that makes me fear for Marshawn Lynch. Also, Marshawn Lynch, since he came back from retirement, hasn't, hasn't been, been old. Yeah, he hasn't been the old Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I I would be nervous about taking him. I would not hesitate to draft him if he's there and the value is right. Uh, but I, I, I'm just a little bit nervous about it. I mean, we both had Marshawn Lynch at pretty much the same spot. Yeah, I mean, he didn't—so last year, he didn't do terrible. Like, 891 yards on the season, just over 200 attempts, seven touchdowns. Here's my one bugaboo with Marshawn Lynch this year. And for me, he would probably be my fourth fourth running back. Like, okay, I've already mm-hmm. got three backs. Okay, Marshawn Lynch. It's a guy Lynch. you're putting on the bench. It's a no, Well, it's a guy that came in this year. No, I'm saying it's a, for you fantasy oh, yeah. football, you're putting yeah. him on your bench. I'm putting him on the bench. He's matching up with a bye week I really like. And the reason why he's fitting that this year, the muscle hamster comes in. Yeah, yeah. the muscle hamster was not anywhere in our top 30, but how is Doug Martin going to do taking carries away from Marshawn Lynch? Because, yeah, you only had DeAndre Washington and uh, Jalen Richard had about 56, 57 attempts behind Lynch, but new coach, I'm assuming that Doug Martin is going to take a few carries away from Marshawn Lynch and maybe be used more as a passing option than Marshawn Lynch was. Yeah, and and just there's still just this question of what type of offense mm-hmm. is John Gruden going to bring to the Raiders now? I mean, you can look at what he did in Tampa Bay or in Oakland. Sure, you can look at that, but a lot of time has passed. The NFL has changed. If you try and just bring in what you did in you know the 2000s, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to translate as well now. There has to be some change. There has to be some updates to that. So there's a big question mark of what he's done because he's been analyzing a lot of plays. He's been watching a lot of tape. He's been watching a lot of really good coaches on uh, you know while announcing games. So I'm sure he's learned a lot. I'm sure he's picked a lot of that and decided to piece some of it together to bring something new. Well, and the one thing that I will kind of – the last thing I will leave before we go on into the next one is – just to kind of get a little bit of an answer of what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So their offensive coordinator this year is going to be Greg Olson. No, not the Greg Olson that plays for I the wish. Carolina Panthers. But Greg Olson, here have been his last three positions in the NFL. So last year, he was only there for a year. He was the quarterback's coach. 
of the Los Angeles Rams. Got to work with Jared Goff. Sean McVay might have had a little bit more to do with that offense, but got to work with mm-hmm. Jared Goff. Then the next the f- job before that, 2015 to 2016, he was an offensive coordinator for the Jaguars. Got to work with Blake Bortles for two years. Not that and exciting. And then he was with the Oakland Raiders as an OC in 2013 and 2014, the year before Derek Carr and Derek Carr's rookie year. So mm-hmm. maybe that's a little bit of why he got the job, or he's a little bit familiar with Derek Carr, being able to work with him his rookie year. Plus, John still... Gruden thought that he was Greg Olson, the tight end. Yeah, He was maybe. really excited. And I mean, of course, when you're mm-hmm. working with the Los Angeles Rams, that's a really big job, especially yeah. last year with, with Nick Vay and that coaching staff was able to do if there's any running backs we did talk about you want to chime in about let us know down below if we didn't talk about any from this what it's 21 it's screwing me because we're only doing 30 right now for these 21 through 30 there was anyone we didn't mention in this group let us know down below in the comment section let's move on though into our next kind of range we're going 11 through 20 on the podcast, if you're listening on iTunes, if you're listening on podcast services, thank you guys for sticking with us. If you are on YouTube, though, after you watch this, go check out. I'm probably going to put it at the end on the little end card. Go check out the last video we did where we talked about the guys from 21 to 30. But, Mark, let's get into it without further ado before we get into the conversation. Here is 11 through 20, starting at the bottom was looking at my personal rankings. Didn't want to do that. Want to give you the combined ones. At 20, Jarek McKinnon. Then at number 19, Rashawn Penny, the rookie coming out of San Diego State this year. Jay Ajayi at number 18. Mark Ingram, four-game suspension, but still gets the 17th spot in our rankings. Kenyon Drake taking the 16th spot. Christian McCaffrey taking the 15th spot. Number 14, Jor- Jordan Howard of Da Bersh. And then Joe Mixon at number 13. Deonta Freeman at 12. And then at number 11, just missing the top 10, Buffalo Bills running back, LaShawn McCoy. And the first guy I'm going to bring up, I'm going to let you take the floor. Mm-hmm. You got him on our Google Doc. You got him highlighted. So I think that's you telling me, hey, Ricky, I kind of want to talk about this guy, the guy who's at number 15, Christian McCaffrey. The floor is yours. Well, here's the thing for Christian McCaffrey, and it goes back to uh, the same thing that I honestly talked about with the quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. My thing with Cam Newton is that there's a new guy in town. His name is C.J. Anderson, (laughs) and he's a 1,000-yard rusher. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things were looking great for Christian McCaffrey. He's like, awesome, you know. My uh, my number one is gone. I'm stepping up. I'm number one. C.J. Anderson comes into town, and he goes, oh, I guess I'm still running back number two. Mm-hmm. You know, for the the thing for, for Christian McCaffrey is he really is going to need to be solid for you with the passing game. Because, honestly, last year, he didn't get that much on the ground. It, he only had... Uh, I I don't remember what was he at like four hundred five hundred six hundred yards on the year. Yeah, he had four hundred and thirty five and two tutties. Yeah, nothing that crazy, nothing that amazing. Mm-hmm. The, he makes up for it with six hundred and fifty one receiving yards and seven oh seven of them over twenty, but five touchdowns through the air. So now with C J Anderson coming in mm-hmm. as opposed to Jordan, uh, I'm sorry, Jonathan Stewart. I don't know that I expect anything to change. 
I don't yeah. know if I expect him to go up, down at all. He's a guy where if you're on a PPR league, mm-hmm. he shoots up the boards. If you're in a standard league, he's a middle-tier type of guy. Here's the thing I'm feeling like with Christian McCaffrey, and this is why I put him. I had him personally at 14. I feel like he's a top 15 back for sure. My big question when it comes to when it comes to Christian McCaffrey is the fact that not that C.J. Anderson's coming in, because like you said, he's not going to be a guy that gets most of his carries on the ground. He'll also have the receiving game as well. My big kind of question with Christian McCaffrey is look at the weapons that Carolina had last year. Last year in the receiving game, their third top receiver got traded. He was gone. He was in Buffalo. So, I mean, you look at it, Devin Funches, 113 yards through our 113 targets last year. Christian McCaffrey had the same amount of targets and almost 20 more receptions than Devin Funches did. He had five touchdowns, had 651, like we said, in the receiving game. And like I said, seven of them over 20 yards. However, that's where the big question comes in. Torrey Smith is now on this team. They drafted DJ Moore. How is he going to hurt in the receiving? Kind of like the mouths to feed thing. Yeah. Also, a guy that you traded in our live mock draft, Greg Olson, will be coming back yep. healthy, coming off of his injury that he had last year. So with mm-hmm. even those three guys in the receiving game, it's kind of buffed up a bit to be like, hey, maybe we'll have some more receivers up there so that our running back isn't the second most targeted, tied for the most yeah. targeted person on this team. And when it comes to him running on the ground last year, I mean, he only ran for about like 3.7. Yep. Uh, he, had a was better, average. he had a better average than Jonathan Stewart, but it was only by 0.3. Now, what what's, I would look at, if you want to look at trends mm-hmm. in his, his games— he was ex- very explosive at the beginning. Mm-hmm. They did use him less in the receiving game later down the stretch. Yeah, Later in the season, they used him less and less in the receiving game. So I don't know. For me, it's I like the potential of Christian McCaffrey, especially if you're in a PPR mm-hmm. league. But if you're in a standard league, I sit there and I look at it and I just go, I just don't know. It all is going to depend on what the Carolina Panthers decide to do mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, and I just don't know that you can trust him enough to, to get those catches mm-hmm. to make up for lower numbers in the pass. I'm mean, sorry, on the ground. Well, and one guy I want to kind of throw out there and kind of move into is we're going to stay in that same division of the NFC South, mm-hmm. Mark Ingram. And yeah. the reason why I say that is he's sitting here right, right here at 17, and it's interesting. He sits here at 17. I had him at 16, you had him at 18, so that's kind of how it leveled yeah. out to 17. What are you thinking about Mark Ingram, and what's the whole thing with, yeah, four games isn't going to kill you, but how low could he drop in fantasy drafts just because of that four-game suspension missing well, those first four? Here's here's something that's positive here when it comes to Mark Ingram. I think that there's a real potential for you. In your draft day, mm-hmm. and this all comes down to you guys. You got to talk this up if you're mm-hmm. if you're drafting together. Mm-hmm. Talk up the fact that 
Oh, Kamara's going to steal all those touches. He's going to be the number one. You try and drive Mark Ingram's price down. Mm -hmm. Because I do think people are going to buy in on that. People are going to say he's suspended for four games. Kamara's looking great. Kamara's Kamara's a top five running back Mm -hmm. in a lot of these quarterback, I'm sorry, in these running back rankings. Mark Ingram had more rushing yards. Yeah, and... Kamara's going to shoot up there. Mm-hmm. And you know what's even better? And I'm going to say it again when we talk about Alvin Kamara, too, is Sean Payton himself said his workload, Alvin Kamara's workload, is staying the same. Mm-hmm. We're not going to increase it. So, to me, that says, yeah, even though Mark Ingram is suspended for four games and he's going to fall, you know, week five and on, and they have a week six bye, so unfortunately that's there, but week five and on... He is going to be there. He is going to be just as good. He's going to get the same amount of touches. People are afraid he's going to get less. I don't see any reason why he gets less. Mm-hmm. He is still going to be really good. Kamara is still going to be really good as well. Uh, and Kamara is going to do more in the passing game than Mark Ingram will do. Ingram got into the end zone, what, 12 times last mm-hmm. year? He is a guy who will get you points. He will get you a ton of points. Is he going to get in the end zone 12 times this year? I don't know, probably not. He'll probably get less, especially with the four games being suspended. But he will get you a solid amount of points. Mark Ingram is a great gem. You put a little asterisk next to him on your draft board. You target him. If you can highlight a player on ESPN or Yahoo, you go ahead and do it because he is a guy that you want to watch because I do think he's going to fall. And that person that grabs him, it's like when I had Zeke Mm -hmm. last year because nobody wanted to touch him because of the suspension. I grabbed him, and he won me games. And then he, like— Then he screwed me over. Because we all thought it— It happened at the end. We all thought it. We all thought— Mm-hmm. That the suspension was going to be right in the right in the beginning of yeah. the year. I was really hoping it just wouldn't happen, mm-hmm. but that didn't work out for no, me. No, with this one, I feel like Mark Ingram's a guy where obviously he's not going to be like it's it's weird, and I know why this is. It's because Kamara's more of a receiving option out of the backfield, but it's weird that he's the more dominant rusher, more rushing yards, more rushing touchdowns. But Alvin Kamara had more points than him last year, yeah, because he does. The best of both worlds. The thing that I think kind of, and th- I'm going to do this live to see if this really, my point's going to hurt or help this argument, is just look at the first four games and how this team, how these teams did against running backs last year. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had the fifth most points versus running backs. So you're probably sitting there going, damn, I wish I had them for that one. Then the Browns. Weren't that bad. They were kind of middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. Then you had the Falcons, who were more stingy for, they were, yeah, towards like the bottom third. And then you have the New York Giants, who last year, I'm going to use my fine tool for this, they were in the upper third. I want to say top 10. So maybe top 10, top 15 for giving up so points. So overall, not bad teams it's a, to miss out on. It's a mix. Like, yeah, Tampa Bay and New York are like, man, I wish... He'd be playing for those ones, but you're not getting all like, wow, these are cupcakes mm-hmm. against the run. Mm-hmm. Like, and that could be something like, but later on, I mean, playing Minnesota this year at Minnesota again, how many are going to get nightmares before that game? The LA Ram defense is a lot improved. Philly's defense is good. You play Atlanta twice, so you're playing them again. I mean, and then Pittsburgh's defense is really good. So that's the one thing, and this goes with Kamara too. You're playing a little bit of those more playoff defenses this year, 
how will that affect? But to me, you know, Melvin Ingram was a guy that I felt like, you know what, this guy is just out of the, t- like, top 15. Okay, the suspension, I guess, will make him just outside yeah. that top 15. But I wouldn't be scared of drafting him like I was scared of drafting Zeke last year. One guy I wanted to ask you about because I really don't know mm-hmm. how to gauge him coming into this year, Joe Mixon with the Bengals. Good. I want to talk about Joe Mixon. Here's the thing for Joe Mixon. I mean, uh, you know, it took him a bit to become the starter mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. I mean, they make a coordinator change, and all of a sudden, Joe Mixon, they realize he's there. Uh, and the the thing that's tough with Joe Mixon was mm-hmm. he had a low average yards per carry last year. 3.5. And... You can't blame him because that was a terrible offensive line. Mm-hmm. They make improvements in the offseason to the offensive line, and all of a sudden you're sitting there going, hey, maybe Joe Mixon can actually make a big deal. And that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting him to become a big deal this year. Uh, honestly, I think he should be a 1,000-yard rusher. Because they've made improvements. They've okay. made it work out. They still have Andy Dalton. They still have A.J. Green. You know, there's still weapons on that offense. There's no reason why a running back can't be successful in mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Um, now, you know, who knows? Maybe Billy Price is a huge draft bust or something like that, and that's going to make everything fall apart. He is injured right now, uh, but it's really early in the offseason, so he should hopefully be able to be healthy come actual you know, time to play actual games. But I think Joe Mixon will be a really good running back this coming year. Here's the only thing that worries me about Joe Mixon, and this isn't like a, oh, he's undraftable. Um, first off, I wanted to be very petty with this, with the Joe Mixon thing, mm-hmm. just like how when we used to do NFL previews, the Cowboy predictions were just F the Cowboys while they had Greg Hardy on that team. Yeah, I almost did a similar thing where it was like, you know what? What happened with Joe Mixon? Still don't like it, don't care, you're 21, just that. You're good, but you're out of the top 20. I didn't do that, and I actually ranked him off of his ability. But my only worry for him is with this team, yeah, the offensive line has improved, but are they going to be, are there going to be a lot of games this year because they're playing teams like Baltimore, who beat them by 20 last year? Well, Baltimore twice. Yeah, I know they beat them in the last game, but Baltimore opened the season to beat them by 20. Atlanta should be better. You get KC this year. Ugh. You get Pittsburgh. You've got De- uh, Denver, not so much. But I wonder if, actually, you know what, looking at the schedule, I go against this point. Early in the year this will happen, but not later to me. How many teams are going to be like, man, they're up by so much, we've got to abandon the run game. Yeah. It's going to be actually looking at the schedule for this year, maybe less than it was last year. Because last year, you look at, 20 to nothing against Baltimore. Later in that game, screw the run game. Like you said, Giovanni Bernard was the starter at that point. You lose 29 to 14 to the Steelers, uh, 23 to 7 to Jacksonville, um, 37 to 7, or 33 to 7 to the Bears, 34 to 7 to the Vikings. So, yes, the schedule is easier this year. But will those still be those games where, hey, an offense gets up on this defense and it's like, shit, we got to really tone back the run game because if we still run the ball, we're going to waste time and we just need to pass to try to get back in this game. Yeah, it's certainly possible. But, you know, you're, you're really hoping that Cincinnati Bengals have had some down times now mm-hmm. and you kind of hope that they get back together. 
Uh, so that way, that's not the case, that they don't just completely fall behind. Who's one? I'm going to throw it out again. Who's one that you want to talk about that we haven't mentioned? Yeah, somebody else I would talk about is, uh, I, I just kind of think that Rashad Penny is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Can he bring back the Seattle run game? Right, I mean, that's a big part. I mean, Seattle had a disappointing uh, end to the season last year, you know, they really thought that they'd be just fine without Marshawn Lynch. I mean, they didn't really have much of a choice when it comes to retirement, but it's been a little—it's been a little rocky. You mm-hmm. know, it hasn't been a perfect answer there. But that O line's not that great either. And I mean, he is—he's probably going to be the if de facto number one I would option. Assume. I don't expect Chris Carson or Mike Davis or like the guy I want to be good in Seattle is CJ Procise, but mm-hmm. coming off of an injury. I don't know what he's going to be looking like. Like, he had promise and then injured yeah. for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, so it's just one of those type of things where you got to look at it. And, you know, Russell Wilson is so good at extending plays, and he's so good at making do with a lower-tier offensive line. Um, you know, part of that's running for his life. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that's good for a running back because you can easily become, you know, the dump-off. Mm-hmm. You know, throw the ball to you just because you're there and I need to get rid of it. And the one thing I want to mention with C.J. Procise, some are going to say, Ricky, what are you talking about? The injury was um, 2016. Yeah, but he looked so good, got injured that year. Then last year, what, 11 carries overall? Mm-hmm. And hasn't gotten in, like installated, I'm going to say, into this team. So, I mean, Rashad Penny, it's going to be what can you do? He might be... Honestly, like if Darius Geis doesn't win the job right away, we might look at the end of the year and say, oh, Rashad Penny, he's the number one rookie running back at the end of the year. Yeah. Well, no, scratch that. There's a guy we're going to talk about later that's probably going to do that. But Possibly. second but, I mean, best. Second you know, best. Pete Carroll said that this is a three-down running back. Yeah, giant giant fans just all jumped at their uh, computer screens or phones and tablets and threw them yeah. against the wall. The, the biggest that. thing that's going to hurt Penny is, of course, that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, if he's going to be out there, all three downs, he's going to get yards. He's going to get touches. Bring up the guy you have highlighted because I feel like you're doing that to tell me you want to talk about it. I don't see any highlights, so I have no idea what you're oh, talking okay. about Oh, okay. Well, that. on your – so uh-huh. when I bring that up, on mine, whatever um, – I went over it. That's why. Um, but whatever one you're on, I see that. Okay, so, like, so you're Kenyon, on Kenyon Drake. Drake. You want him. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm figuring – I like it. I'm figuring that's you kind of – Subliminal messaging, like, "Hey, Ricky, I want to talk about this guy." Okay, I see what you. Because at first, I'm thinking mm-hmm. highlighting him. Like, well, I don't have anything I, highlighted. But I, I'm, I'm on him, and I went over it, so it was right. mine on top of yours. I appreciate it. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I mean, uh, Gase likes running backs. Mm-hmm. Of He's course, He's going to be the main guy now because the Jai was traded last year. And really, I mean, you know, we all questioned the trade at the be- at mm-hmm. the time, but they had pretty similar numbers at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So, and I. You know, we're actually ranking Drake above Ajay. Uh, now, of course, one's a Super Bowl champion and one, the other one's not, but mm-hmm. that's a whole different story. Um, so really with this one, I feel pretty good about it because I think that they have to be a better team. The Dolphins have to be a better team this year. Um, it should be a good offense. You know, it's not a super high-flying type of offense. A lot of it is about uh, accuracy. A lot of it's about smart plays, and when you do that, you use your running backs. Now, some people are going to throw this out there, mm-hmm. so I'll just be that guy to do so. 
does Frank Gore being added to this Miami team hurt Kenyon Drake at all? Like, because I feel like there's going to be people in the comment section that say 16 is way too high for Kenyon Drake. He should be lower. Where is Frank Gore in this top 30? My thing about Frank Gore is just that Frank Gore's been a serviceable running back, mm-hmm. you know, still. Um, but is, I just. Is he going to be the main? You like, can't could really he win believe the, in it. Could still. he win the job, though? In the off season and be the number no, one back for Gase? Not at all, not at all. I mean, you got a guy who last year's averaging almost five yards a carry. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he is a um, he is a solid type of running back, a solid, reliable mm-hmm. guy, uh, somebody who is not going to catch a million passes, but he's going to be effective catching the ball and running the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's a pretty clear-cut number one and, compared to Frank Gore. And I know what Frank Gore apologists are going to say. They're going to say, but guys, ever since 2011, he's only had two seasons where he hasn't had over a 1,000 yards. Yeah, but every one of those seasons, he's had at least 250 carries. Yeah. Whereas you look at Kenyon Drake last year, only had, what, 133 and he got 644, had a better average than Frank Gore last year. Frank Gore was 3.6. I don't know if it's going to be Frank Gore is the main guy or the bell cow, anything, in Miami, but I do expect him to take some touches away from Kenyon Drake. That's why I was a little lower sure. on Drake, because Drake isn't one of those where he's not an Alvin Kamara, to where it's like, all right, Melvin Ingram can have more of the touches. He mm-hmm. can get most of the rushing yards. I'm going to compliment my rushing with my receiving. I really don't know that Frank Gore takes the starting job. I well, really I'm not saying take it. the starting job. I'm saying even if Kenyon Drake mm-hmm. is the starter, it might be more of yeah. like your 60-40 split. My, that's still 40 yeah, carries and, and that 40% is a, that is a fear. I mean, you had some of these games where he, I'm really just mm-hmm. a couple of games that I'm looking at now and where hey, he had above 20 touches. Because he's more if of a... If they let it go down, that's a problem. Because he's more of a bruising rusher, what if they get in the end zone? I might... If I'm going right up the middle, I'd go Frank Gore over Kenyon Drake. Yeah, he's I mean, got Drake more only had, what, three touchdowns last year? He Yeah, three. So, he's got five in his career. I know it's only two years, but he's got five. But, like, yeah, like, Kenyon Drake, I'm looking right now, 6-1-2-11 compared to... Alright, Frank Gore is a little bit, like, similar size to 12... Um, five nine, but he kind of has that kind of bowling ball right through it. Also, we're recording this podcast on May fourteenth. Is Frank Gore's birthday today? So happy oh, birthday, Frank Gore! Good job, Frank. Sports re- Pro Football Reference told me it said happy mm-hmm. birthday to Frank Gore. He turns thirty five today. Good for so him. happy birthday, Frank Gore. Frank Gore is one of those guys too, where like you know thirty five in the NFL, he's mm-hmm. kind of old. But Frank Gore feels Dude, like he's for, been in the NFL for a, forever. For a running back, though, we're usually talking over like. And the one thing this is outside of fantasy that I will mm. say about Frank Gore: usually we're saying about running backs, oh, once they hit thirty, they're over the hill. Yeah, he's turning thirty five and has like two years. Last year and twenty fifteen were his only years since two thousand eleven to where. He hasn't had an 1,000-yard season. Really, before that, his rookie year in 2010. So since 2005, he's only had four years where he hasn't been over 1,000 yards. Phenomenal. But the last guy that I want to bring up, however, is a guy that we talked about, the guy leaving this city. I want to talk about the guy coming to this city, and that's Jarek McKinnon. So 
You got Carlos Hyde, mm-hmm. did some pretty good things. You get Jimmy Garoppolo now for a full season, not just the last five games of last year. Jared McKinnon, to me, really, like, the reason he got, the, I'm not going to say the reason he got this job, but a big reason why he got a job like this was because Dalvin Cook went down. If Dalvin Cook didn't go down, I don't know if Jerick McKinnon shows us what he had last year Probably not. and gets a job like this to be the starter for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, and I, I just don't know how to feel completely about McKinnon. Um, I like potential for him, especially if you are in a PPR league because he's mm-hmm. going to get passes thrown his way. He's going to get both. Um, but the the thing I just wonder about, if you're especially if you're in standard, is just is he going to be as effective on a team that isn't as solidly built mm-hmm. as the Minnesota Vikings? The Minnesota Vikings were set up for a running back to be successful. Mm-hmm. Not saying that the 49ers are going to, no way a running back can be successful, but I just don't think that they're set up the same way that the uh, the Minnesota Vikings are to where I think it'll be a little bit more difficult. I also wonder, are they going to want to show off their fancy new quarterback here? Uh, because you look at them last year just in just average yards, mm-hmm. ninth in passing, 21st in rushing. So not terrible in rushing, but... On the lesser part of average compared to the passing game where they were throwing it on everybody. Mm. Now, part of that's because their defense gave up tons well, and tons of and points. And let's be but. honest. Let's remember who their quarterbacks were until the last five games. Like, mm-hmm. the San Francisco 49er season last year, I kind of just want to take it like it's loose leaf paper, crumple it up, and throw it behind sure. you. Like, but what I'm saying is they it. passed more than they ran. Oh, I know. But, I mean, the thing that I think about And I think they're going to continue doing that. Is did they think that Carlos Hyde was— on the down, on the downcline, where it was like, hey, he ain't the Carlos Hyde that we remember from the past, although his numbers were not bad last year. I think that this year, the reason why I had in my personal Jerick McKinnon at top 15, I had him right at 15, was because look at the backs behind him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have anyone that's going to scare for that starting job. Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, they got Pierre Garçon, but besides that, do they really have a scary weapon on that team? Besides, he didn't need it. I know he doesn't need it, but they don't have. What I'm saying is, they don't have top elite receivers. Mm-hmm. They've got a guy in the backfield who can do both running and passing. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be scared to say that he's going to get a lot of touches on the ground, but also a lot of kind of throws on swings or play actions or anything. And really, if they use him as a main running option up the middle through through um, one of the gaps, that then opens up play action for Jimmy Garoppolo to get these non-elite receivers down the field. It's certainly possible. I mean, he's definitely a kind of a question mark kind of guy. Because mm-hmm. uh, really, at tight end, they don't have anyone that maybe Garrick Selleck a little bit, but mm-hmm. like no one that like jumps off the page as like a elite receiver. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to look at this contract to see mm-hmm. did they overpay um you know it, time's going to tell on this one. It's one of the ones where I'm not afraid to draft him necessarily mm-hmm. uh but I'm going to be very paying a lot of attention to who else I could possibly get plus at the, that position. Plus the Vikings and we even saw it with like Case Keenum and such. Yeah. Was that very team is much, built very solid. Well, They'll make not people just look built good. solid. The thing that I like with the management wise is all right you know what, here's what we want to pay you to come back. We'd love to have you. Oh, you want to take that deal? Okay, that's fine. We're not overpaying for you. Yeah. 
We're not going to overpay if we don't have to. Um, and then the very last guy I want to bring up is LaShawn McCoy. Should we exp- like he is going to be the main weapon for that Bills defense if both you and I are right mm-hmm. and Josh Allen is the quarterback? How does that affect McCoy's numbers? Well, I mean, if it's Josh Allen, just to throw it out there, uh, because could be McCarron. Uh, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. Just to throw this out there because mm-hmm. it's what a lot of people are going to say. Okay, is he's going to have less opportunity to touch the ball because one, throwing it down the field, man, throwing it down the field. But two, as Jalen Ramsey said, mm-hmm. those are nice catchable balls. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey's expecting to intercept those balls. Now he's got to get a career first interception. You know, let's be fair. But no, I mean that's the thing. They got this guy the big cannon arm. That's why he's so excited. He's like, holy crap! I can finally finally have one. He's got a. You know, they're gonna be excited about his cannon of an arm, and they're gonna let him throw it. But the flip side is, he's not a very accurate passer. So three and outs, interceptions, those are the things that are potentially looming over the Bills offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't think A.J. McCarron's going to be that much of a better option. That's why I think that maybe early on LaShawn McCoy gets a little bit more receptions than we're used to seeing. Um, last year he was second on the team. Is he going to be 80 yards down the uh, field? Not 80 yards down the field, but maybe. That's where Josh Allen's going to throw it. But So maybe some swings outside. The big thing mm-hmm. to me that is going to be interesting for LaShawn McCoy is Tyrod Taylor not on this team. Whether it's McCarron, whether it's Josh Allen, with Tyrod Taylor not being on this team, that is 84 touches that Tyrod went himself that need to go somewhere. They could go to LaShawn McCoy. Some people could say they go to Chris Ivory, who is now the backup mm-hmm. in Buffalo. But LaShawn McCoy, it's going to be interesting to see what happens but some with of those are when situation. things break down and he just runs himself. Oh, he they're not necessarily 80, designed runs. Not all of them, but he had 427 yards on the yeah. ground for five yards per. Yeah, but those aren't designed per. runs. Some of Rarely them, are Some they. of them were. Some of them weren't, where yeah. it was breakdown ability. But, hey, you still get maybe some of those are actually to mm-hmm. the running back now or passes to the running back. The camera is shut off. We went too long on the segment. We usually don't do that here on the onside kick, but I'm just going to let you guys know. Any guys we talked about, any guys we didn't talk about in this bracket, let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. But let's close out the podcast, Mark, talking about our top 10 for running backs, fantasy running backs, not just running backs, fantasy football, running back rankings, Yet again, if you're on podcast services around the world, thank you guys for sticking with us. If you're on YouTube, this is your first time, maybe your first time, you haven't checked out the other two. We did our 21 through 30. We did our 11 through 20. You can check those out after this video and kind of go 1 through 30 if you wanted to at this point. But let's get into our top 10. We'll kind of say them, then we'll talk about a few of them a little bit. Let's get right into them at number 10. San Diego, not San Diego, L.A. Charger. I'm always going to make that San mistake. San Diego. I'm yeah. always going to make that mistake. L.A. Charger, Melvin Gordon. Then at number nine, Minnesota Viking, Dalvin Cook, coming back this year. So excited for it. Then Jacksonville Jaguar running back, Leonard Fournette at eight. That was an interesting one because both you and me had him at eight, and that's where he ended up laying, right, at the number eight ranking. Then Kansas City Chief Kareem Hunt at seven. Number six, Alvin Kamara. 
the New Orleans Saints running back. Then at number five, the rookie, the first running back off the board this past May for the draft, Saquon Barkley of the New York G-Men, football giants. Then Le'Veon Bell, Pittsburgh Steeler running back at four. David Johnson coming back from an injury. He'll be the running back of the Arizona Cardinals. Then at number two, Ezekiel Elliott, Cowboy running back. And at number one, the L.A. Ram, Todd Gurley. First guy I want to bring up, and before the, I can't remember, did I had you do this off the podcast, on the podcast, picking a number one and two. You picked two. Yep. So number one was Le'Veon Bell. We will get to him. I'm just going to push him to the side. Cool. First guy I want to ask you about then, because you picked it, Dalvin Cook. What are your All expectations right. for him? He's at number nine. Oh, this is tough. Are we going to, is having him at nine off the injury too hype? Uh, are the hype levels exceeding what the we need him The hype levels at? out there. And there's actually, in, in my personal, I had him at number 11. I purposefully put him at the first guy I might have had outside. him at seven. I might have had him at seven. You did. <laughs> the, I had him as the first guy out of the top mm-hmm. ten because of the ACL injury. Mm-hmm. You just don't know what's going to happen. Now, that injury, October 1st. It's a long, long time ago. Well, you know what happened? got plenty of time to heal. You know what happened the last time a Viking running back came off an ACL injury? So, if uh, we've learned anything from the rules of balance, Dalvin Cook's a a huge bust. It's going to be a rookie season, man. Uh, So, it's just going to be interesting to see. Now, here's the thing for Dalvin Cook. Mm -hmm. He came off such a great hype, uh, such great success. Mm -hmm. And like we just talked about in the last video, for those of you on YouTube, earlier in the podcast, for the rest of you, uh, this team is set up. Very well. It is a solid team. Any running back can be successful. Um, Delvin Cook should be. He definitely should be. If he stays healthy, he's got great potential to be a top five running back, without a doubt. Uh, really, the question mark is just going to be how's that? How's that knee? How's that ACL? Mm-hmm. How's it looking? And I mean, the the biggest fear I have this year for Delvin Cook has nothing to do with Delvin Cook. I think he'll come fine off of the injury. My biggest fear is the offensive change with Pat Shermer no longer being there. DeFlippio, yeah. DeFlippo, however you say it, is our offensive it's DeFilippo. Court. DeFilippo, that's what I was thinking. Thanks for helping me out there, gotcha. buddy. You were all over it because he was almost a candidate him. for your Bears. I liked him. Um, but that's the biggest thing that worries me, and I use air quotes with that. Because well, you it's got like, Kirk Cousins, too. Are they going to want to – it's the same mm-hmm. thing that we talked about with Jimmy G, also with Josh Allen. Are they going to want to just sling it? Mm-hmm. They might. Which, I mean, could help out Dalvin Cook because, I mean, he did have 16 targets, 11 receptions for, get this, 11 receptions for 90 yards. He was averaging 8 yards per catch before he got injured as well. So, yep. I mean, we don't really know. Like, that 16 targets is a super small sample size of what is he going to be able to do with both. And that's why I have him at 7 because if you notice most of the guys in this region— Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Saquon Barkley, we've been saying about it in the draft. All of most of these guys can get it done in the rushing attack and the receiving attack. Yeah. They are dual threats out of that backfield. And that's why people are so high on Alvin Kamara. We talked about it at the very beginning of the podcast mm-hmm. where it's interesting how uh well, I guess more in the middle. Mark Ingram, who is the 
more solid running back mm-hmm. is further back than Alvin Kamara, who's probably sitting there technically on the depth chart as running back number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people are so high on the ability to throw and to get those receptions, especially if you're a PPR league. But even as a standard, you love having the potential rushing touchdown, the just rushing yards that you have, the added bonus of that, which just drives up the value of one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, most of the people on this top 10, that's exactly what they are. You know, you have people who are going to catch the ball as well, uh, as opposed to having someone who's just going to purely go right up the middle. Let's get into the other guy, though, the big one that everyone wanted us to talk about, but we held him off. What are your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell? Because for me, so he ends up at four overall, just for a little transparency, you had him at three. Yeah. I feel like you were ranking him as if he was starting week one. I did, yeah. There he's going to be. My caveat is this, and you guys can love it, hate it, not even care about it, but here's what it is. I had him at six, kind of like almost the same thing with you and Dalvin Cook, where I'm going to have him at 11, mm-hmm. potential for a top five. As long as that contract is not signed and he is iffy to start week one, he is outside of my top five. If you have that question, you're outside my top five because I think that Alvin Kamara to me is a running back that could be in that top five. David Johnson without an injury is top five. Saquon Barkley has the potential to be top five. And, of course, Zeke and Todd Gurley are there. However, there's a tweet that I saw today. I don't know exactly when he posted it, but it just said 9-9-18, hashtag just be patient. So no one knows if that means when he's going to sign a contract, if he's just excited for the new season, if he's excited to sit. What are your thoughts on Le'Veon? Because my thoughts are kind of the same as Ezekiel Elliott. If there's a question of a holdout, don't draft him. Mm -hmm. And, like, it depends on when your draft is. Hopefully it's later, more like that week three, week four of preseason. Maybe he'll have signed a contract by then. But until he signs a contract, I'm taking five other running backs above him. Yeah, I mean, if you're scared of him not playing games, and and like we said— Part of it is he says that he's not going to play. Mm-hmm. He says he's not going to play unless he's got a long-term deal. So do you want to trust him on that? Do mm-hmm. you want to do that? And for Le'Veon Bell, I completely understand. He's a guy who's had some injuries in the past. Not a ton, yep. but he's had injuries. I mean, he's really technically uh, only, I think, once had a complete 16-game season. Mm-hmm. Last year he should have, but week 17 they didn't play the starters. Um, so... You know, there are some issues there. Now, for Le'Veon Bell, my concern for Le'Veon Bell compared to last year is purely he had so many touches Mm -hmm. last year. It is going to be very surprising if he gets the same amount of touches this year as he got last. Um, Still 1,000-yard rusher, still going to get probably 500 receiving yards, if not more. I mean, he is going to be a top guy. Won't have as crazy and heavy as a workload. But even with some regression, he is going to be a guy you want, especially if you're in a PPR league. Uh, but yeah, Le'Veon Bell is not going to targets be targets last year in the reception and yeah, the receiving game. You love it. He's just, he's not going to be your clear shot number one guy. Mm-hmm. I think this year, I do expect a little bit of a, a regression. But you know, he's a top five top five pick. You well, gotta go grab him. And I mean, the good thing is there's no running back behind him. 
that's obviously going to challenge him for a starting Yeah, they didn't job. draft anybody. They were um, too busy drafting somebody to be behind Big Ben. Now, my big, my big kind of, not worry, but this is the thing I'm going to bring into it, is besides him not playing week one, because we don't know what's going to happen there, but when it comes to your whole, oh, the, the amount of carries, 321, and the amount of targets out of the backfield, like, he had the second most targets on that team and the second most receptions on that team. Is that going to change? Is Juju Smith going to get a few more targets, a few more receptions? He only had 80 targets, and he was still phenomenal. He was on my mm-hmm. fantasy team, did great things, almost had a 1,000-yard season through the air because of his big playability with 15.8 yards per catch. My question is James Washington coming in. I know people are going to be like, oh, he's a rookie. Don't worry about it. But Juju Smith was a rookie. And is James Washington going to fit into this big play offense and take some of those passing options, passing targets, away from Le'Veon Bell? Mm -hmm. Not enough to say, oh, he's not a top 10 fantasy option. But will it be enough to matter in some games where someone, oh, I had Le'Veon Bell and I lost by one this week? If he would have had one more touch, got two more yards, would have won. It's going to be interesting, too, to think about uh, the new offensive coordinator, Mm -hmm. uh, Randy Fitchner, I think I'm saying that right, um, who replaced Todd Haley. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what are they going to do? How is he going to do something differently? Mm -hmm. Um, Are they going to kind of try and take some pressure off of Le'Veon Bell? Especially if, if it's me. And if I am the Pittsburgh Steelers and I get Le'Veon Bell signed to a long-term deal, it is with the understanding that you are not going to be the same workload that you've been under these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. We are going to reduce that because if I'm signing you long-term, I'm expecting you to be here long-term. Yeah. And you can't be the you know number two wide receiver and also the number one running back and expect you to be here for three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. You know that workload will catch up to you. That's the thing for Le'Veon that I would be afraid of. But with that still being said, he's gonna get the ball. Mm-hmm. He is gonna have it in his hands, and when he gets it in his hands, it's a whole different game. Well, that's like, and I don't want to just abruptly change gears, but the one guy that kind of reminds me of to mm-hmm. a bigger scale is Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. To where not only are we changing. Your coaching staff, like, yeah, Andy Reid's still there, but one of the, ma- I don't want to say the mastermind, but, like, the guy that we think behind the offense, behind, obviously, the play calling, yeah. especially later in the year, is gone. He's here in Chicago. Welcome, Matt Nagy. Mark is happy that you're here. Love it. Um, but you change that, plus your quarterback is different. You get yeah. a guy who's only played one NFL game in the regular season, Week 17 didn't look terrible, Patrick Mahomes, What's the thought process with you? Like, are we going to see a dip with Kareem Hunt because of those two factors, or mm-hmm. is he fine? Well, I would expect to see probably a little bit of a dip from him mm-hmm. um, because of the fact that, you know, I mean, he got 1,300 yards last year. I mean, that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would expect a little bit back. And let's not forget that he is still a running back on an Andy Reid team. What is Andy Reid known for? Forgetting about his running backs, mm-hmm. ignoring that they exist. And he's got Patrick Mahomes. What is Patrick Mahomes known for? The guy can sling it. So, you know, it's just one of those 
one of those things where you're, you're scared a little bit of the, that potential, but Kareem Hunt, if he gets the ball in his hands, it's a whole different animal. Mm-hmm. And I think, I'm hoping that they learn their lesson. Because remember, the Kansas City Chiefs were starting to fall apart last year. Well, and that's why— And th- Kareem Hunt wasn't getting touches, and that's a big well, part of it. Not just that, but the whole that, the OC change and the quarterback change, is why maybe this was an overreaction by me, mm-hmm. why I had him at 9. Because it's like, you know what? You look at all the other ones. Uh, one of them might be, okay, I'm overhyping Dalvin Cook a little bit by having him at seven, but let me have it. But then you look at the other ones where Alvin Kamara, nothing really changes on that offense except for, like, uh, yeah, nothing except for Willie Sneed leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say Brandon Cooks, but I'm like, that happened at the beginning of last year. Um, nothing really changes on that offense. He could even show some progression in fantasy points moving forward. Ezekiel Elliott, yeah, he missed six games, but you didn't expect. It's not like he's coming off an injury. Yeah, he's just coming off of a suspension. Where David Johnson, the interesting thing, coming off of an injury, how's that going to be? Saquon's got the rookie question. Mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette, how is this team? How is he going to operate? Year two without, now. Well, year two, and they don't have those passing options in yeah. um, Hearns and Robinson anymore. And that's why, to me, I wonder if a guy like Alvin Kamara can jump up, if a guy like Saquon can solidify himself in a top five yeah. and kind of jumble these running backs a little bit because of the changes that we're seeing, especially mm-hmm. like Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt. Well, Alvin Kamara is one of those interesting ones to me because you think that mm-hmm. Ingram is suspended four games. I know I mentioned this already. Even if but, he doesn't get more touches, I think he could be yeah, a top three back. I mean, Sean Payton said that, to increase his workload would be a mistake. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very interesting because that means to me... It's a system, not a player. Yeah, there's that. And there's also the idea that they're going to go get somebody Mm -hmm. to cover for Mark Ingram. That's why people are talking about Adrian Peterson to the Saints Mm -hmm. again, even though it wasn't that great. Um, But that's why they're talking about it again. They're mentioning it again. You know, They're going to try and get someone. They're not going to just say Alvin Kamara is our three-down back. Uh, for these four games. They might. I mean, it's technically possible, but I, I highly doubt it. But Alvin Kamara still has a chance to get up there. You know, that's my fear for him, just Sean Payton's comments that literally just happened um, and how true to that he's potentially going to be. You know, but with a guy like Saquon Barkley, who you mentioned, I'm extremely excited about that. And maybe it's just the fact that we've seen so many rookie running backs be really successful mm-hmm. and we're getting a little spoiled. Um but they need to take some of that pressure off of Eli. They've got Odell out there. They got uh, Shepard out there. You know, they have a lot of really good pass catching options uh, that are going to help a running back because you can't stack the box. You have to respect the passing game, and I think that's really going to help. I think that will make a big difference um, in having yet another rookie running back very successful. Well, and I mean, if you want to fill that hole of, I don't know if you sign a guy just to fill it for four week, or four weeks, but you can, mm-hmm. the top three guys that are still on the board, according to WalterFootball.com, DeMarco Murray is still out there, but he's 30 years old. Um, you've got Alfred Morris is still out there, um, Orleans Darkwa, and then Adrian Peterson. Those are your top four. Yeah. And, and you're trying to find someone to Jamal, be Mark Ingram. Jamal Charles would be your fifth. Unless I think he might have signed with the Broncos. I'm not completely sure on that one. But that would be the ones that you'd be thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, to me, I think the Kamara is... He doesn't have to up his touches. I just think he'll be better in year two. 
and this Saints team is going to be better overall, he'll be more of an not option is like, oh, we're going to give him more carries, but maybe a few more receptions yeah. out of the backfield, depending on how defenses play thing. different receivers. Will Willie Sneed mm-hmm. not be in there? How's that yeah. going to affect the targets that go around from Drew Brees? Because Brees, he likes to spread the ball around. He does. To be uh, to put it out there, Jamal Charles still a free agent, okay. so he's available. Yeah, I, I, th- I definitely think Alvin Kamara will be an interesting one to see what happens mm-hmm. with that. Um, you know, there's also the potential with Alvin Kamara, and it's a it's a risky thing to say, so don't yell at me in the comments. Don't mm-hmm. at me. Uh, but, you know, Alvin Kamara, if these four games he's going out, if you got an idiot in your mm-hmm. league, you might trade, trade him. him. You might say, hey, here you go. Have Alvin Kamara, the number one running back in New Orleans mm-hmm. for all of these things that I want. And they're going to take them, and then they're going to be upset when you know Mark Ingram comes back, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden things are split. Yep. Uh, but we'll see what happens with that. So I don't know. I don't know there. I'm just going to throw this out there. Mm-hmm. You take it where you may. All right. I think we've held off long enough. Cool. Saquon. Saquon. Well, I, I started to talk about Saquon a little bit. Uh, I think that the pass-catching options out there, like Odell, mm-hmm. Shepard, you, know, you have some great weapons. And you have to take pressure off of Eli. But they added. You can't expect all that. They didn't just add uh, Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Stewart's going to yep. be there as well. Does that hurt his fantasy option rookie year? I mean, it does because you have another solid, mm-hmm. competent running back out there. Uh, but it's not going to be Jonathan Stewart, Christian McCaffrey. You know, uh, Saquon Barkley will. I expect to be running back number one. Mm-hmm. He will demand it. He's probably not going to be a three-down back mm-hmm. right now. Uh, and that's okay. He doesn't need to be. He's going to have those fresh legs. He can do that. People, because he's a rookie, might be scared to draft him high, do you too. Think so having, that might be a good thing. Do you think people will think us having him five? Because both of us had him at five. Mm-hmm. Will that be – will some out there think that's crazy? Well, people are going to – Saquon Barkley is in a rough spot because he was drafted number two overall. Mm-hmm. And there are still people that I see that are saying it's a mistake to draft a running back two overall. Running backs so that's that were, going to be a thing always Running backs that were drafted that high, if not in the same range, Ezekiel Elliott, mm-hmm. who we have at number two, yep. Leonard Fournette, who's in our top ten. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely uh, – some good potential for him to be really successful. Mm-hmm. We've been spoiled, though, with these rookie running backs being successful. Being phenomenal. So, you know, there we are kind of due for someone to not be that good. Uh, I still think Saquon Barkley is going to be great. I, I really expect him to be a very good option. Uh, and Eli doesn't mind throwing it to running backs. No. So why why wouldn't Saquon Barkley get some uh, some catches either? I'm trying to look up. Leonard Fournette was the guy who was drafted for, yeah, Zeke and Fournette was for. So Saquon went earlier mm-hmm. than both of those guys. Do you know off the top of your head who was the, and this will be a little trivia for you, who was the first running back off the board in 2015's draft? 2015? This I is don't actually, This is actually funny backs. because he's number one in our rankings. Todd Gurley? Todd Gurley went 10th overall. 2015. 2015. Feels like Todd Gurley's been in the league longer than forever. But, I mean, look at that. The last three running backs who were the first one Mm -hmm. drafted off the board, already top top 10. Yeah. Todd Gurley three years, Zeke two years, Leonard Fournette one year in the league. So, I mean, that to me is like – and to me also with these fantasy rankings, Mm -hmm. this is how I feel the top goes. There's an argument for one and two. It just depends which one you like better. 
Todd Gurley or Ezekiel Elliott. Sure. With everything going on with the Cowboys and how they kind of went down last year, yeah, that was kind of because of the suspension from Zeke. I like the consistency better with what's going on in L.A. and Todd Gurley. So that's why I had Gurley above Zeke, but you can make an argument one, two there. For every other position, three through five, there are four backs you can make the argument for to put in that top five for the three spot. Kamara, Johnson, Barkley, and Bell. They're the only ones. And really, let's be honest, if Le'Veon puts in there, because like I said, if he starts week one, he's in the top five, Mm -hmm. that means Kamara or Barkley might be out unless you're low on David Johnson coming off of the ACL injury. Yeah. Yeah, and and honestly, I understand if someone is low on David Johnson. Are you going to get mad, though, if you get any of these top six guys as your main running back? You really shouldn't be at all. Uh, but I understand why people might be a little low on David Johnson, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to blame them for being scared of injuries, although in that case you got to be scared with Delvin Cook. You know, yeah. There's a lot of guys you got to be scared of in this case. But I actually think that Sam Bradford is a good quarterback. He's mm-hmm. a very accurate quarterback. So that's going to do really good things for a running back uh, for, for David Johnson. And, you know, He's got a really good weapon out there, too. Mm-hmm. Now, the the thing to remember is that Josh Rosen is there, so there eventually might be a change, especially due to injury. Mm-hmm. So there is some question there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Sam Bradford does good things for running backs. You should be excited to be a running back if Sam Bradford's your quarterback. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it a little bit. I'll ask you, what's the thought process with you when you were thinking 1-2? And was Todd Gurley the clear number one? Or did Zeke fight it a little bit? I mean, there's a little bit of that Zeke fight there. Uh, and I do think the Cowboys are going to want to have a really big, you know, kind of resurgence mm-hmm. this year. The thing for me with Todd Gurley is just that that L.A. Rams offense was so explosive. And even if you do expect to have a little bit of a fallback this mm-hmm. year, now that we've got some good tape on everybody, I mean, really, the only it's thing, still so explosive. Really, the only thing I can really think changing on that offense is what you you got rid of Sammy. You lost Sammy Watkins, but you added Brandon Cooks. Yeah, you get a weapon. You added Brandon Cooks. Plus, this defense got ten times better mm-hmm. with adding Nadamikin, which just helps to get more carries. Mm-hmm. You well, know, get the ball back into the well, yeah, get the ball more to the offense so you can have more, more touches, carries. yeah. And and this is an offense that is very, um, you know, they're thinking about how we can be kind of fast, how mm-hmm. we can be explosive, how we can get these touchdowns, how we can score lots of points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to like to throw the ball, but they know they've got a great, if not one of the best running backs out there. They're going to do everything they can to just have the ball in Todd Gurley's hands, mm-hmm. uh, and that to me just stole it for him from from Zeke Elliott who, even though the Cowboys will do a lot of similar ideas, the Cowboys don't have as good of a defense as I'm expecting the Rams' defense to be. Um, I'm expecting good things out of the Rams' defense mm-hmm. this year. And really, the thing you got to look at, and I know this doesn't go all into the running back, but as a team overall, the Cowboys are going to have more competition in their division mm-hmm. than the Rams will have in theirs. Definitely. Seahawks on the way down. 49ers, they're on the way up, but they're not there yet. Cardinals, I don't really know where to, are they up, are they down, are they staying the same, mm-hmm. but they're nowhere near the level of the Rams. They, the so Cardinals I mean, should go up this year. But lower than, they'll probably be the fourth best team in that division. They were 8-8 eight eight last year. I, But I'm saying record-wise. They were 8-8 eight eight without David Johnson and with an injured Carson Palmer. Okay. I still think that the Niners take a bigger, a bigger, 
upcrease this year, and they finished third. Upcrease, that's Seahawks a new one for you. Upcrease, upcrease upcline, what am I thinking about with words? But mm-hmm. the point is, the Rams have an easier division to me than the Cowboys do with the Giants, who have an improved team, yeah. the Eagles, who are defending Super Bowl champions, and the Redskins, who hope to do better with Alex Smith compared to I Kirk honestly Cousins. think it's kind of a push. Okay. Between those two. Okay. But... Any final thoughts with the top ten? I think the only one we didn't mention, but we we didn't talk about, but we mentioned was Melvin Gordon. Yeah, and, and uh, a lot of people are actually expecting that the Chargers are going to be really good this year, mm-hmm. as we always do, right? Yep. Uh, Bolts up. <laughs> yeah, Melvin Gordon. I mean, he should be good. Uh, you know, the the thing that's always going to be unfortunate for Melvin Gordon, he mm-hmm. always gets a little overshadowed, of course, by Todd Gurley. Yeah. As one of them is number one, the other and one is 10. Both of them being in L.A. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that any of our top 10, obviously, if you get any you're of these very guys, happy about you're that. happy that they're your starting running back. The only one that on you might team. not be happy about is Dalvin Cook because then you got a Viking on your team. <laughs> and that's upsetting. Oh, I thought you were going to say the ACL injury, but you went with that one. But yep. let us know what you guys think down below about our top 10. If you're listening to the full podcast, either on YouTube or podcast services around the world, let us know you, uh, what you thought about the whole thing. Housekeeping here at the end. If you like what we're doing, want to help support us, check out patreon.com backslash most podcast. If you want to join an onside kick, you can do so by supporting us at the $10 tier. You can also check out our store to get yourself an MVP t-shirt. That link is also in the description down below. You also have mostvalablepodcasts.com. That's where you get the store and everything for MVP each and every day. And last but not least, go ahead on Apple Pod, Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and type us what you think about the podcast. want to thank you guys for listening. want to thank you guys for watching. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.